D'Artagnan felt a flush rise to his cheeks, the pounding ache in his skull ratcheting up another notch for a moment before subsiding to its previous levels. I may have had a place there once, he said in a flat tone, but there is nothing and nobody left for me in Gascony now. Aramis's brow furrowed in understanding and sympathy, but before he could form a reply, a commotion erupted in the street in front of the smithy. A girl's scream pierced the air, and the three friends locked gazes for a bare instant before charging to the door, drawing rapiers and pistols. Without pausing for thought, D'Artagnan followed, the balance of his own broken blade feeling awkward and wrong in his sword-hand. Outside, D'Artagnan counted seven armed, surly-looking men stalking down the main road. Two of them were dragging struggling girls with them. The young women, not yet eighteen years of age, if D'Artagnan was any judge, had the appearance of sisters. The younger one was crying, and the older one cursed her captor loudly, hitting at his shoulder and arm with her free hand to little effect. Further up the street several onlookers stood in a knot, pointing and speaking in low voices, but taking no action. Athos stepped into the roadway, blocking the procession with a drawn sword. "'What is the meaning of this?' he asked, voice snapping like a whip. The apparent leader, a tough older man with a ragged scar running from temple to chin, stopped two paces in front of Athos, regarding him with a sneer. "'Nothing that involves the likes of you,' he spat. "'Run along back to your castle, little Comte, before you and your friends end up with worse than a bandaged shoulder.' Porthos and Aramis were at Athos' side before the man finished speaking, and without consciously deciding to do so, D'Artagnan found himself flanking the injured nobleman as well. "'Please, messieurs,' called the younger girl, "'we are being kidnapped. Please help us.' "'Shut up,' said the young man holding her, punctuating the words with a slap across his victim's face. She cried out, and the older girl snarled in anger and redoubled her efforts to get free from her own captor. "'That's enough,' bellowed Porthos, crowding forward toward the gang of men. "'Release the girls,' Aramis said, his voice deceptively mild but for the steel running underneath. "'Now, I guarantee you will not enjoy the consequences otherwise.' "'My sons are simply claiming their property.' growled the older man, stabbing the air with a forefinger to emphasize his words. These girls were promised to them by their father before he died of the plague. Now their harpy of a grandmother is trying to renege on the deal. She was trying to protect us from these animals you call sons, shrieked the older sister. And you broke down our door, knocked her down, and kicked her until she stopped moving. A defenseless old woman. I will see you dead for that, you swine. You will not pass until you free the girls, Athos reiterated. Oh, said the boy's father, and how are you going to stop us? He stepped back two paces, drawing a pistol and aiming it at Athos' chest. Before D'Artagnan could do more than tense in reaction, Porthos raised his own pistol and fired, moving faster than D'Artagnan would have thought possible for a man of his size. The other man fell to the ground with a grunt, his own pistol shot going wide, blood spraying from a wound in his thigh. With cries of rage, the four men who were not holding the girls captive surged forward, brandishing swords and clubs. D'Artagnan scanned the group, but saw no one else with a pistol. 
An instant later, he was set upon by a man half a head taller than him and twice as broad, wielding a heavy mortuary sword of the type favored by Englishmen. The heady rush of imminent death cleared every last ache and twinge from D'Artagnan's body, and he felt as if he could fly. The impact of the edged weapon against his own broken rapier reverberated up the length of his arm, but he held fast, wrenching his opponent's blade to the side and dancing around his guard. D'Artagnan tried to keep half an eye on his companion's progress, while also contemplating his own woes. Unlike his opponent's sharp-edged sword, his rapier was useless for slashing, and with the tip broken off it was now fairly useless for thrusting as well. With his sword snapped and his dagger and pistol stolen, D'Artagnan lacked any useful offensive weapon, and was limited to dodging and parrying the other man's attacks. Normally he would place more faith in...